Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. With an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our Silence breaks. Name of Jesus. As the heavens cry, let the earth respond. All creation shouts with a voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way.
Well, how are you, church? You good? You good. So good that our ushers are still passing baskets. That's good uh, this morning. Um, it's great to be with you guys. For those of you that haven't met yet, my name is David Walters. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors, and it's an honor to be with you this weekend. Uh, a couple of things that we want to celebrate. Uh, finally, Georgia got the memo that it's winter. And uh, for those of you that don't like cold weather, I'm sorry. Um, there'll be prayer time available for you at the end. Um, but for those of us that are kind of seasonal purists, we like all four seasons, and we want all four seasons. Winter is good, especially if you don't like uh, bugs in the summer. And so, yeah, can't, I got an amen on that. And then hopefully, cold temperatures can equate to at least one good snowfall. Can I get an amen for that? Especially from the students. Students are like, yes, that means we get out of school. So I'm joining you in prayer this week that maybe we could get some... Uh, some excused absence from school because of weather, and um, and so I, I love I love the return of cold weather. It's been about a month and a half since we've had some good cold weather. Um, I, I um, want to celebrate that it is uh, the weekend when we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, tomorrow we will kind of cease work in in honor and reflection of that. And I'm just personally grateful for a God-given vision that he had, that he articulated and lived out uh, passionately and purposefully. And, um, and, and I say that because of relationships that I have that I believe were kind of um, uh, uh, forged through his um, purpose and his calling. And without that, um, I'm not sure where we would be as a country, and I'm not sure where my life would be without some incredible friendships that cross lines of race. And so I'm certainly glad for that vision, but also to say to all of us, that when we start to become awakened to God's purpose and calling on our lives, we can have a significant difference um, that goes beyond just like our individual lives and goes beyond the, the circle of our, our tight friendships to actually transform the world. And, um, and so I believe that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, should be celebrated um, because of that. And so it's great to be able to celebrate that together in a, in a way that we annually have awareness of. So it's great to be here for um, that and to be with you guys uh, living out that purpose, living out that calling and that dream. And, and I would just encourage you to tap into the frequency of heaven in your life to figure out what that purpose is and what that vision is that God has for you to carry out um, his preferred future in the world. Um, it's great to be with you guys. We're, we're uh, two weeks away from Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm excited about that because even though it's in our hometown, we, we have no excuse not to be here on that Sunday because our team, our home team is not playing in that. And, um, and so we'll see you here that Sunday, and that Sunday is going to be awesome. We've got baptisms that are lined up, and so that's going to be great. And just as a reminder, as Abigail said, today's the last day to sign up for that so that we can get everything taken care of and everything lined up for that day appropriately. So if you've made a recent decision to follow Jesus or you've never been baptized, this would be a great opportunity to do that. And I can promise that despite the cold weather, that water in the, in the baptismal is going to be warm, okay? So I can promise that. But also that day, we've got some special guests that are going to be with us. We have the, the newly named athletic director at Mill Creek High School, Shannon Jarvis. He's going to be with us. He's been with us the past two years. He's going to be coming back. And he's going to be bringing one of his former players that he coached. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is David Green. He was a quarterback at the University of Georgia Go Dogs for four years. And uh, at the time that he graduated college, he was the all-time winningest college quarterback. Um, he is no longer uh, that record holder, um, but he was for a brief period of time, went on to play in the NFL, and he's a friend, and he's coming to be with us that day. Um, so invite your friends, um, invite your neighbors, and, um, and bring them uh, here that Sunday, because I believe it'll be a, a good um, experience for them. But 
We are here today, and I'm excited about today's message as we continue our series called A New You, where what we've been discovering is that at this time of the year, people get uh, hyper-focused on becoming a new person. And typically, that comes in the form of new things to do or new things to stop doing. And so we kind of evaluate our activity and the things that we can do, what we need to stop or what we need to start. But what we've also discovered, and we've been stating over the past couple of weeks, that really only about 8% of people who have a New Year's resolution actually finish their New Year's resolution. How many of you are still sticking to your resolutions? You've got them and you're still abiding by them? Yeah, um, about that percentage of people, yeah. And, and you're actually more likely to be able to pick out the value of a card from a deck of cards than you are to finish um, a New Year's resolution. So what I want you to do right now is I just want you to pick a value of a card in your head, not a suit. Um, we got that mixed up in the 915 service, but we worked it out in that run-through service so that it would be right for you now. But a value of a card, ace all the way through king. So, you know, you got the value ace, then, you know, two through king. You got it? Everybody tracking? You got that? I want you to tell your neighbor what that is. We're going to see if you can perform this magic trip, okay? Magic trick. Um, so tell your neighbor what value you're picking out. And then which camera are we on? Are we on this camera? Okay. Um, um, did anybody pick a three? Anybody pick a three? Who picked a three? Raise your hand. You pick a three, you get a prize. The prize is that you're right, okay? You picked a... <laughs> Um, but, but look, you've got, you've got about the same probability of, of finishing your New Year's resolution as you did in com, uh, picking out the right value from a deck of cards. And that's pretty amazing to think about. And one of the things that we've been um, making the suggestion of is that one reason why we fail so often to start doing new things and, and stop doing things in the new year when it comes to resolutions is that we get focused on the external. We're focused on the things that we do instead of focusing on who we are. Instead of focusing on what we're doing, we need to focus on who we are becoming. And in this series, we've been talking about becoming a new person and that God is actually in the business of making all things new. In fact, we quoted from the Old Testament about uh, 20, uh, 2,800 years ago, uh, this prophet named Isaiah who said, behold, God is doing a new work. Do you perceive it? And, and so the question throughout this series is, are you willing to take hold of the new that God is doing and the new you that he wants to make? Do you perceive it? Are you willing to acknowledge it? And are you willing to behold it? And if you are, there are four things that God wants to make new. And in week one, we talked about how God wants to give us a new heart or a new seat of our desires. He wants to give us a desire for him and a desire for his desires. Week two, we talked about how God wants to give us a new mind or a new way of thinking so that we would trust truths about God and about us that God says. So we would choose to trust that. And today what we're going to talk about is how God wants to give us a new spirit. God wants to give us a new spirit. And um, in order for us to understand how God wants to give us a new spirit, we need to understand that part of us that is designed to, um, to experience uh, a new spirit. And that is the soul. That's the word soul. Um, soul is used a lot in our culture. Um, it's used a lot in song. In fact, there are some artists who have included the word soul into song titles and into their song lyrics. In fact, we're going to have a, a game this morning called Name This Artist. And so we've got a couple of pictures. Uh, we gave you an easy one uh, because the word, their, their name is actually at the, the top of the slide. So who, who is this artist or these artists? 
The Righteous Brothers, right? Okay, so this one is a little bit more difficult because there's no name attached to it. Rolling Stones, that's right. You got that. Um, Justin Timberlake. So, so, so far, here's, here's what I've seen so far. Um, we've worked from like an older generation down to the newer. Justin's kind of this like go-between in between the older and the newer. And, uh, and then we've got uh, this artist, uh, these artists, Jonas Brothers. Yeah, and then we've got another artist. Um, anybody know? Jeezy. Who said Jeezy? Like one person in here said Jeezy. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, Jeezy, like nobody knows who Jeezy is, but Jeezy has um, the word soul in the song title. Um, that kind of gives you a, a clue to where we are as a church culture. Anyway, uh, we need to work on that. So some people have included uh, so much soul into their music that they're actually given a title as being like the, the master of a soul or the, the queen of soul. And who is this, church? It's Aretha. God bless her. God bless her. Uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, the queen of soul. There's also the godfather of soul. Yeah. James Brown, you got that one. And then there's the, the king of soul. Who knows this guy's name? Otis Redding. That's right. He's the king of soul. And so some people are so good at, at, at soul in their music that they, they include it in their song title and in their song lyrics, and then they've also been given the title as the queen, the king, or the godfather of soul. Um, the word soul is so popular that we include it in a lot of our phrases. We've got uh, phrases like a soulmate or a soul sister, a soul brother. Uh, if food's really, really good, we call it what? Soul food, I mean, that is the best kind of food, right? And then if, it, if there's a train that's really good, we call it the soul train, right? Some of y'all don't know. Y'all don't know nothing about a soul train. You should know something about a soul train. Saturday mornings, Saturday mornings after cartoons, soul train. Anyway, so yeah, um, we, we like this idea of the soul so much that some people have tried to sell their souls. Maybe you've heard that expression. One woman named Lori tried to sell her soul on eBay for $2,000, um, eBay said that she couldn't sell her soul. In fact, then they put a, a description and a policy in place that if you've ever not read the policies that you agreed to on eBay, that you could not sell your soul. There is a no soul selling policy with eBay because it is a product that you can't deliver. It's a product that you can't deliver. Now, that's debatable, especially by a guy named Duncan McDougall. And Duncan McDougall, uh, a few years back, said that the soul was something that was tangible. It was deliverable. In fact, he weighed people before they died and then immediately after death. And what he discovered is that people weighed 21 grams less after death. So I think uh, Duncan would argue that the soul is deliverable upon death. And, um, and when it comes to understanding the soul, that's pretty much the extent of what people of faith know about the soul, that it's something that has to do with our existence that lives beyond us in death, that it's basically something that exists beyond life here on earth, and, and it goes to be with God in heaven. And so when it comes to faith and when it comes to our faith vocabulary in this word soul, our culture maybe has more of an understanding than, than our Christian faith does. But that wouldn't have been true 2,000 years ago when the majority of the Bible was written, um, or thousands of years ago when the majority of the Bible was written, but certainly when Jesus walked the face of the earth. The audience of Jesus was very familiar with the word soul. In Hebrew, it's nefesh. Everybody say nefesh. 
Uh, nefesh is the word that we would uh, go back to and we would translate as soul, but its original context and its original translation very literally is the throat or the neck. So nefesh literally translated is throat or neck. Um, uh, When the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they're quoted as being dry in their throats, their nefesh. Um, When Joseph, he's an Old Testament character, when he was sold by his brothers into slavery, chains were put around his nefesh. They were put around his neck. So you might be thinking, okay, well, if nefesh literally means throat or neck, then how do we get the word soul out of that? Thank you for asking. Uh, So what the Hebrew people understood was that everything that was essential for life went through the neck or the throat. Think about that. Everything that is essential for your life and for you to exist goes through the neck or the throat, right? So air travels where? Through, right? Food travels through. Water travels through. Coffee travels through. Everything that you need, everything that is essential for life, it travels through the neck or the throat, the nefesh. So what they also knew is that when it comes to our existence in life, everything that physically is essential for us comes through the neck or the throat. Everything that is spiritually essential comes through the soul. So the soul is the part of us that exists so that we can exist. Listen, it's the part of you that God gave you that exists so that you can exist. It's the part of you that God built to your design so that you can connect to the presence of God so that you can exist and live into the design and the desire that God has for your life. And what we know is that we need a new soul and that with a new soul, that soul needs to be replenished through the Spirit of God. So we're in constant need to be renewed by the presence of God in the Spirit of God. And I want to show you uh, how that plays out in Scripture. So if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I want to invite you to go with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Um, If you're not familiar where that is in the Bible, you can go to the table of contents. That's why there's a table of contents in the Bible. It's perfectly okay to go there. Or you could kind of open up the Bible to the middle of it and then turn to the left a little bit, and you should be close to the book of Psalms. The word psalm means song or poem. Um, This particular psalm is um, from the editors of the Bible, is attributed to uh, as a maskil. A maskil is a, is a choral song. It's a song that was meant to be sung as a group. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing this together as a group, okay? Just kidding. All right, that would be bad, uh, at least if I was leading it. So maybe we'll get Justin back up here and he can lead it. Uh, the choir master, a maskil of the sons of Korah. Um, I, I felt like the Lord had a, a revelatory word for somebody that's here today. The sons of Korah, uh, Korah was a rebellious priest. He was a priest who rebelled against God and, and against the, the faith of God and God's people. And um, in that rebellion, what you find is that here his offspring, the next generation of this rebellious priest, are, are kind of breaking uh, kind of a generational pass or a generational curse by seeking newness. And I, I felt like the Lord wanted to say to some, somebody in here today that maybe you feel like you've been You've been just trying to outrun your past. 
Um, and maybe that you specifically have been trying to outrun some form of generational curse or some form of a generational past that seems to be either repeated or you're struggling from the uh, consequences of. And I felt like the Lord wanted to say to you today that he knows that about you, but you don't have to run anymore, that he wants to break that in you, and that as you seek him and seek new life, it is there for you, and that you can actually be regenerated. There can be a regeneration, and it can be a spiritual generation, and that the the past that your life can create for the next generation would be something that is prosperous and is and a blessing. And so I felt like the Lord wanted to say that to somebody today as these sons of Korah, rebellious priests, wrote this group song to sing together. At 9.15, I had them read it out loud together, but I felt like um, afterwards that, that maybe they missed a little bit of the essence of it by having to focus on reading it out loud. And so I'm going to read it. The words will be on the screen. You can read along with it. But what I want you to pay attention to is how many times the word nefesh is used and the context in which it's used. So um, uh, Psalm 42, beginning with verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. And while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, From the Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So these sons of Korah, they write, and did you notice how many times they use the word nefesh or soul? I mean, it's this constant thread throughout there because what they understand about the soul is that the soul is the part of us that exists so that we can exist. And when we feel like we're not existing in the life that God has for us or that there's something more, something lacking or something missing in our life, that the answer to that is to come back to the state of our soul. The answer to that is to come back to the place within us that exists um, for our existence the place that exists so that we can connect to the presence of God and so that we can experience the life that God has for us. And so the question that's prompted there is, soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so downcast? And a lot of us, we don't even become aware of the fact that we have this like internal place that is kind of like deeply seated within us that exists to kind of connect us to God until there's like this nature of being downcast. And I don't know if you resonate with with a downcast soul, but I have in season resonated 
with a downcast soul, where I'm just like, what is going on in my life? Uh, the word downcast literally means to be cast down. That makes sense, right? Or to be um, pressed down. It's where perhaps we get our word depressed. And I know that like in church circles, it could be like taboo to talk about depression. But when you read the scriptures, especially the Psalms, it's pretty clear that there, was a, there were some seasons that people struggled with like a prolonged sadness, a deep sadness that had their souls downcast or pressed down or depressed. And I just want to say to some of you, look, if you're in one of those seasons, it's okay and you can talk about it. In fact, you need to talk about it, and you need to express that to God, and you should express that to other people. And our pastors are available, and we have people that are available that we'd love for you. But do not consider that something to be taboo within church circles or the circle of faith. The psalmist struggles with it and is able to identify that there's something, there's something deep within that person. It's the seed of their existence that is downcast. It's pressed down. And, and you start to get a context of why that person might be experiencing that. Just from some of the other questions that are pressed, like um, the, the question of um, where are you, God, or, or where is your God from the, enemy, um, from the enemies of the, the psalmist. And, and so that, that circumstantially or situationally in life, things aren't going the way that you want them to go. There's some kind of struggle going on in circumstances. There's some kind of struggle going on in situation. And um, some people are pointing out to, to the psalmist, uh, and they say, where is your God in this? That somehow they associate things not going on in life uh, the way that we plan them to be or the way that we dreamt them to be or the way that we feel like it should be um, with this distance um, from God, that God is no longer in close proximity to us. And so we see that that's a prompt to where maybe there's this pressed down state of the soul. Um, another question that you see present in there is basically like, why God? Um, in fact, the, the psalmists say, um, why God? Like, why God? And, and I think that it's, it's uh, perfectly okay for us to ask the question. When circumstances, situations aren't, aren't ideal, they're, they're not the way that we dreamt them and planned them, want them to be. We feel like it's disconnected to the way that God's life should be for us, for us to say, hey, why God? The challenge is when that why God turns into, um, it turns into some fault, uh, something that we come back to that we choose to trust, where, where anything other than God's goodness is, is that belief. So why God is trumped with the trust in the truth that God is still good, even when our circumstances aren't good. Uh, that that truth is, is trumped, and we trust the truth that God's working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So if it's not good in your situation, that only means that God's not done in your situation. Right. And, so, and so the question of why God, it's not a bad question to ask. We just ask that of God. God's big enough to handle that question. We just choose not to trust that the why God turns into a God's bad, that it stays trumped with the truth that God's good. And he's working all things for the good. And if it's not good, God's not done. It's just a matter of time before God's done. And it's good. And so, so we, get, we become aware of our need for something at the very core of our being, this soul that God placed in us that exists for our existence, that, that is the place that allows us to connect to the, the presence of God through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. And so we need this 
replenishing of our soul, which is why the psalmist starts off by saying, hey, as a deer pants for flowing streams. In other words, a deer who has been uh, chased, have you ever seen a deer or hunted a deer or, or just driven past a deer? Man, those, those things are always running. It just seems like, I mean, they are, they're frightened by everything. They are scattered by everything and they just take off. And, and what the psalmist is saying here is that, that as they exhaust themselves from running, there's a point where they need to be replenished through water. In the same way that any of you have ever done exercise, you're like, water, water, water. Uh, we, ha- we started our spring conditioning for baseball the other night, and our um, 13U travel baseball team, uh, they would work through some speed and agility drills, and then the head coach gave them a water break. I was like, water's weakness, let's go. You know, like, you don't need water, but the truth is you do. You do need water when you exert yourself and exhaust yourself. I'm just not so sure they had exhausted themselves yet. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the same way that a deer needs water to replenish itself, the deer also needs oxygen and breath to exist in the same way that you and I need that, especially when we exert ourselves. And, and, and as I get older, I mean, it just more of those moments where you just stop back, put your hands on your knees and go, <sighs> yeah. I mean, I was, exa- I was um, kind of demonstrating the, the, the speed and agility drills for the kids and I get about halfway done. I was like, you guys got it? Yep, y'all got it? Okay, y'all start. You know, like, like we get to those moments where we've exhausted ourselves and we need breath. You guys need oxygen. You need water. You need food to sustain you in life. And all the psalmists are trying to do is say, hey, in the same way that any animal who exhausts themselves, in the same way that any human being who exhausts themselves needs these things, so our soul needs the presence of God. Our soul needs the presence of God. Listen to this. As the deer pants, so my soul longs for you. As my soul thirsts for you, the living God, when shall I come and appear before you? When when we recognize that our soul is downcast, and even before we recognize the downcast soul, the the answer is always the presence of God. And the question is, that should be in our mind the most is, God, when can I appear before you? God, when can I appear before you? When can I be in your presence? Because when I am in your presence, my soul is restored. That very existence of my life is poured into by your presence, by your spirit. As we transition from Old Testament to New Testament, the the presence of God was known fully in the person of Jesus. He is God's um, fully God, fully man. He is God's son, a gift to us as we sang about earlier. And through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, he made it possible for all of us to experience the presence of God, not in some form of a place, but in our own person to where we can personally experience the very presence of God. And the question ever before us is, when can we experience the presence of God? And and because of Jesus, we can experience the the presence of God at all times. At all times. It's why the New Testament writers, when they were talking about um, our our need for a, a renewed or a new soul, so that we can connect with God, uh, not out of the the condition of sin, not in slavery to sin, not under the the binding of rules and religion, why they they reference this need to be reborn. They they will talk about this need to be filled and and renewed in our spirit. 
Uh, this guy named Paul who wrote a majority of the New Testament, he was writing one letter. It's called Titus. And he's writing to a, a partner in ministry. And, and this is what he wrote. Listen to this. He said, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. Listen to that. Jesus is the goodness of God. He is the love of God. He is our Savior. When he appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. In other words, not because we go to church and show up or we do good things like help old ladies cross the street. Not because of those good works of righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of what? Okay, some of y'all are still with me. By the washing of what? What is regeneration? It's new birth. It's a new life that's given to us. And the renewal of the Holy Spirit. A regeneration where you're reborn. The very part of us that exists so that we exist would be made new, that we would be born again. And how is it possible that after we're born again, we would continue in this process of regeneration through the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The part of us that was created to connect with God is created new, and then we reconnect with God through the filling of his Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said to this guy Nicodemus in John chapter 3, before we get to the famous verse that we sang in John 3.16, Nicodemus goes, hey, how, how do I enter into heaven? And Jesus says, you must be born of the Spirit. You must have a spiritual birth, not a physical birth, a flesh and blood birth, but a spiritual birth. And, and the New Testament writers continue to emphasize the need for us to be born again in our soul and then for us to continue the process of regeneration by being filled with the Spirit. Paul wrote it another way in a book called Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where he said, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we skipped over the first part of that, which was, don't be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of things that we'll fill our lives with that aren't going to benefit us any good. There's a lot of things that will pass through our literal throats and necks that won't do us any good. But the thing that our soul needs is the presence of God. And what we need is to be filled with the Spirit. God is wanting to do something new. Are you willing to perceive it and to behold it? If you are, then you need a new spirit renewed every day in you. Um, a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago, our family moved onto about seven acres of land. We downsized our house. We upsized our land. That was a bad decision. Um, some days, it's a, it's a really bad decision. Um, any of y'all have like those projects, the ongoing projects at your house? It's the same thing that causes you a headache, and it just causes you a headache over and over and over again. You got one of those things, and you, you try to fix it by grunting like Tim Taylor, you know, Tim the Toolman Taylor, you know, and it's like it never gets done, and you just keep coming back to it. Um, I've got one of those projects on my land. It's called a creek that runs in front of our house. And the creek that runs in front of our house, we were told about when we bought the house. We bought it in summer, and the owner of the house prior to us and selling it to us, he said, well, we've got a creek in the back, and it's always flowing. He said, and the creek in the front, it dries up during the summer. 
and in the fall, and sometimes it comes alive during the winter. And sure enough, that winter, first winter in, you know, there's a lot of rain. That spring comes alive, and that spring was feeding the, the creek and that stream. Um, the only problem is that over the years, I guess, of the previous owner, um, the, the creek bed that, that had been formed had filled in with, like, sediment and residue and just a bunch of debris. And the challenge is that I can't, um, I don't have the material enough to, like, like create this new, like, creek bed that flows um, freely through the pipe that goes under my driveway. So, so what happens is that, it, you know, it, it gets clogged up, and then the stream goes over the um, creek, which is really cool when you're leaving the driveway in the forerunner, but not so cool when you're in Liz's minivan, you know, and it's like, are we going to get through this, you know? Um, it feels like she's in a low-rider minivan, which would be cooler than the one she has. But anyway, so it's like, it's really low, and so... We go through that and we forge through that, but it's so frustrating for me. So like every time it rains, I go out there and I try to unclog it so it can flow underneath it. Um, but occasionally when, when life's busy and it's still raining um, the, I, and I don't have time to get out there, what'll happen is that water on that one side of the, of the driveway, it just like, it gets stagnant and it gets stale. And it is gross looking. I mean, you can drive by it and you go, that is nasty, you know? And then, like, if you go to unclog it, it's like, it's even nastier because, like, you can smell the stagnant water. Have you ever been around stagnant water? There's nothing cool about that. And, and, and I'm afraid that one thing that happens is that there's a, there's a lot of us who, who are people of faith, and we would say, hey, you know what? I have been born. I have been born again. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and, and God gave me a new soul, and it's a soul not bound by, by slavery, but we've grown stagnant. We've grown stale, and just as God wants to pour his spirit into us with renewal every day, every day, um, we've become stagnant and stale, and and either sin has clogged the the flow of the spirit through us, or or maybe just um, passivity when it comes to our faith has has, uh, clogged that, and we, we haven't allowed ourselves to be a vehicle through which the Holy Spirit comes in and flows out in the way that we love God and love other people. And we just have become stagnant and stale. And so some of us, we need to get to a place where we understand that in order for us to experience the newness of God in our life, God has to flow through our life. And, and we can be renewed. It's a, it's a, a, there is a never-ending supply of God's Spirit available to you when you allow yourself to be a vehicle through which the Spirit flows. Um, some of us, we, we, we've got some things that are unclogged, and, and we just need to put ourselves in the presence of God with discipline so that the Spirit can flow through that. And, and I love the way the psalmist put it. Every time the psalmist said, so why are you downcast within me? He responds by saying, hope in the Lord. Did you notice that? Maybe you didn't. If you still got it, you can look at it. So why are you downcast within me? Hope in the Lord. That was the response. When we recognize that our soul is desperate for the presence of God, the response is to hope in the Lord. And and the word hope could easily be translated wait. In fact, those two words are kind of synonyms in the Old Testament, to wait on the Lord. To wait in the Lord is to wait on the Lord. And it's not a passive waiting for a person. It's an active, prepared waiting for a person. In the same way that you would prepare for a guest, if you were a host, you would prepare for that person and you would expect that person to show up. In the same way that you would go to a certain place for a certain meeting with a person, expecting that person to show up, you and I, when we hope in the Lord, we wait, we prepare to meet with expectancy the person of God. And it's throughout that psalm 
where the psalmist says, I go, I go and, and I praise. Because the psalmist knew that when we praise, God inhabits the praises of his people. God's everywhere at all times. There's nowhere that we can go where God's not. But when we want to experience his special presence called the manifest presence of God, there are certain ways that we can experience that profoundly. One of the ways is through a secret place. One of the ways is through a secret place. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. Um, In the Old Testament, this would have been viewed when the prophets would retreat to certain places, a cave maybe, to a mountaintop, a secret place. Old Testament Orthodox Jewish God followers, they would carry these prayer shawls with them. I've got a prayer shawl at my house. I should have brought it. And at any moment when they needed to retreat to a secret place, they would take the corners of that prayer shawl and they would bring it over their face. They would cover themselves like that and it was their secret place. It was their prayer closet. For some of you, your secret place might be your literal closet. It might be your living room. It might be your office. It might be somewhere where you can retreat and be in the presence of God because he is expecting you and the door is open to his presence at all times. And we access his manifest presence when we come in a posture of prayer, a posture of praise, which God inhabits that. Another way we get to experience the presence of God is through commitment to corporate worship. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, you know, but, but the commitment to be with people and to sing loud the praises of God, it invokes and it invites the manifest presence of God, promise to be here when we do that. And then one that is often overlooked is a, is a community of people, a community, a smaller group of community than the crowd on a Sunday where we can be together with like-hearted, like-minded individuals who are seeking their souls to be replenished through communion with God and with communion with God's people. We call those connect groups at the Vine, and, and we're still in a season of signing up for our spring semester of those. And if you want to be a person who, who not only has your soul made new, but re- is renewed through the Spirit of God, get around people who are seeking that same thing and see what happens as the waves of God's grace and deep calling to deep washes over you. Um, One resource that we want to give you on your way out today is another card. If you've been with us in the series every week, we've had a little little card with a reminder verse on the back, maybe one to memorize. And this one is simply Ephesians 5.18 that says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you need to write in the first part of that verse on the top part of that, that's fine too. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be renewed in the spirit. And you'll become the person that God designed and desires you to be. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven. Spoke your name into And through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The end is written The end is written Jesus Christ my living 
mercy What heart could fathom Such boundless grace The God of ages Stepped down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross has spoken I am forgiven The King of kings calls me his own Beautiful Savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my living Lord Hallelujah Praise the Side. 